Rod Bramblett was the voice of a generation, but his iconic calls of touchdown Auburn will not be defined or limited by time. The voice of the Auburn Tigers career spanned 27 years on the Plains, where he graduated in 1988 and returned just a few short years later to call baseball games for the university he loved. In 2003, he stepped into huge shoes in the most unfortunate of circumstances. The sudden death of Jim Fife left a hole. The Tigers' voiceful soul was gone. But Bramblett didn't step in looking to replace Jim Fife. He merely picked up the headset and carried on the tradition, expanding the trail of memories for Auburn fans. He connected two generations on the radio by doing what came natural, and not by force. He found his way by following the Auburn spirit, something that defined him from his days as a student through the smallest and biggest of moments on the radio. And during that time, he became a legend by simply following the path set before him as he watched, observed, and called the action from press boxes across the country. David Ross's home run. Go crazy, Cadillac. Smile, Cam. A national championship. A miracle of Jordan Hare. The kick six. And a final four. And here we stand 16 years later. Auburn's voice has been ripped away again. The 53-year-old Rob Bramblett and his wife, Paula, died in a tragic two-vehicle accident on May 25, 2019. Two lives ripped away too soon, too quickly. Everyone is trying to make sense of it all. Friends, family, fans all share the common sadness that comes with grief. But in this sadness, there is still that voice ringing out. There is the nostalgia. There is celebration. There is the memory, and that voice still reverberates in our heads. Touchdown Auburn. Today we celebrate. In this episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast, we share his story as told by his friends, colleagues, and fans like you who grew up listening to the man whose voice provided the soundtrack for the Auburn spirit. This is for Rod Bramblett. Stan White uh, stood next to Rod Bramblett for, for 16 years in the football booth calling some of the most memorable Auburn football games we'll ever see and for that matter we'll ever hear Stan I want to thank you first for for chatting with us in this tribute for Rod Stan what what was Rod like well well Brandon as as you well know he was that consummate professional and and um you know Rod was one of those who 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 really took so much pride in in being the voice of the Auburn Tigers and and he knew how important it was probably more than most and uh it was just an honor for me to to partner with him for for 16 straight years and you know I look back at the at all the games we've done and had no reason really to look back um at that but we had done 208 straight games of of uh of the 233 that I've been the analyst for my first two being with with Jim Fife a legend as well and then of course rod taking over in 2003 and us doing 208 straight games but just to see how he prepared to see how he uh, made that 
um, position, his own, and, and he's a legend, obviously, to all of us and a lot of kids that were growing up over the last 16 years. And and um, just an honor for me to, to, to watch him work and to, to take it and make it his and in a difficult situation uh, when he took over. And, and, um, and now, you know, another difficult situation. And, and, uh, but just, um, just the kindest heart, uh, he and Paula, and, um, and just uh, they will be sorely, sorely missed. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, time and grieving will heal wounds, but, but they will probably creep back up some when, when football comes around this fall. You got any got any funny stories or anything like that? You remember just hanging out with him, you know, after games you know, or off season? What what's interesting? There there are several, and and I'm sure soon will creep back in my mind uh, as as time goes on. But you know, usually um, um, when we have our Friday evening meals or we're traveling to our destination, that's when you really get to know. And they're not coworkers. We were, we were, we were like brothers, all of us. Uh, our, our network crew. We, we. I'd never considered, you know, Rod or Paul or Andy or or Bradlaw, any of those guys as, as coworkers or colleagues. We were all just uh, brothers, and and we happened to get together for six or seven hours on Saturday and talk about what we love to do, and that was all in football. And, and so, but when we traveled. Um, you know, on away trips, that was really when you, when you got time to bond with, with those guys and talk about maybe personal stories and going on in your life or, or what you thought about was going to happen uh, for the game the next day and what you thought, uh, you know, kind of our prep work was about. And, and so those were the times that, that you'll cherish more than anything. I remember um, a year or two back, we were heading to Oxford, Mississippi, and we were driving up in a, in a small van and, and, you know, I had um, I some of my electronic, maybe an iPad or something, and and I said, man, I need to find a series to watch or whatever. And Rod suggested this one, and of course I binged watched it for for the next ten or twelve hours straight, and and literally going into the pregame uh, opening tease the next the next day in the booth, I'm watching one of the episodes, and <laughs> and Rod looks over. Hey man, we're about to go in the air, but don't worry about it. I got this first one. You keep watching. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the thing. You know, I'm sitting there watching the series. The prep work had already been done for the game and everything, and it was, uh, you know, we knew what we were going to talk about. But, but uh, that was just the way he was. He made everything. Um, you know, it was very important to be prepared, but also, you know, he made everyone feel like you, you know, you, you got this, and so. Uh, those times and of course we always on an early game um you know if we always had an 11 30 or 11 o'clock kick you know we typically have to get to the stadium you know three and a half hours maybe maybe even four before kickoff and um and i remember this has been gosh eight or ten years ago we were in Starkville, Mississippi. We had an early kick and we get to the stadium and literally the stadium's still locked no security people are even there and so we we can't get in. And it's I was probably, going to say it's either the uh, security or the elevator there that that is so slow. <laughs> exactly. So you know what I'm talking about. So literally, it's about six thirty uh, in the morning, and we're like, "Well, how are we going to do this broadcast?" <laughs> and so finally, after about thirty minutes of walking around the stadium, a security person uh, uh, found us and said, "Hey, we we got to get to the booth. We're in the air in fifteen minutes." And, and so those little things like that, but you know, Rod was was our anchor. I mean, he he literally was was our leader, and 
but never, never portrayed himself to be, you know, Hey, I'm the voice and everybody else is following me. Never did that. He always put us all ahead of him. And, and, um, and we knew he was the man. We knew he was it. Uh, but, but he never, he never, uh, portrayed that. He just took such joy in, in being, you know, the voice for the Auburn family. And, and he was, he was fantastic at it. So Stan, tell me how many times did you have your mic muted in celebration of some of those big moments when Rod's making those calls? I know the kick six call, I think your mic was <laughs> muted a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that one is the top of the list on that one. You know, in, in 15 years, I, and I can honestly say this there, there, I probably butcher five calls a game. Uh, and, and, but in 16 years, we never had a moment after a game or during a broadcast when we went to commercial where he would say, Hey, uh, I mean, never had it. He'd say, Hey, man, God, you know, we, we step on each other's toes or, or, you know, this, we, we never had any disagreements. If I, if I booked one, I'm sure I did. And I did still, he was always so good to make it up. He would, he would just make it up and he would go with it. And, and so, um, that's what made us work well together. Uh, you know, but yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, that kick six is the top of the list. And I give Patrick Tisdale, our engineer, for several, several years, the credit on that one because it's kind of an unit rule that the, the analyst allows the play-by-play man to call the present what's going on at the time. And the analyst is there to relive it, to re-break it down, analyze it at the end. And, of course, when that play is occurring, you know, you you become a fan more than you do a broadcaster. And Jesse Duvall, our producer at that time, um, had the wherewithal to, to grab her phone and video that uh, in the booth. And that's just made it circles around. And as you can see, if you've seen that video, we are all, Bo Benton, Gene Dulaney, myself, and Rod, are, are absolutely going crazy and, and – uh, if you listen back to it, you hear, you know, there goes Davis, and you hear me say, oh, my gosh. And I'm saying it again, but my, my volume is slowly creeping down. <laughs> and so uh, Patrick Tisdale was standing right behind me, and he saw that I was about to go crazy and didn't want to ruin that call for, for, the, for one of the most iconic plays and calls in history. Well, I guess if this thing comes up short, he can field it and run it out. All right, here we go. 56-yarder, it's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Holy cow. Oh, my God. Auburn wins. Auburn has won the Iron Bowl. Auburn has won the Iron Bowl in the most unbelievable fashion you will ever see. I cannot believe it. 34-28. And we thought a miracle in Jordan-Hare was amazing. Oh, my Lord in heaven. Chris Davis just read it. 109 yards, and Auburn is going to the championship game. I remember the next week we were in Atlanta, and Vern Lundquist came on with us, and, and um, Herb Street came by our booth. And, and, I mean, we had guys. I mean, Rod was like a rock star. I mean, we had, we had 
guys have been doing the, in this industry for years came by and, and, and they only said, you guys nailed it. You guys nailed it. Well, I, all I had was three words <laughs> and, and Rod, Rod Bramlett nailed it. And, uh, and, and Vern Lundquist to get it, that kind of compliment um, is obviously a pinnacle. He said that was one of the best calls he's ever heard in the history of his broadcasting. And, and, um, and Rod did amongst all the craziness going around. He was the professional that was able to get it out. And I don't know many people that, that could do that. Uh, take me back to 2003. You know, obviously I wasn't around, but I've, I've heard the stories about, you know, it's such big shoes to have to come in and fill for Jim Fife. And there's all this talk about whether Rod should say touchdown Auburn, you know, for touchdowns. And the first two games come and go, and Auburn hasn't scored a touchdown yet. And I think the fan base was even directed, hey, to one side say touchdown, the other say Auburn after the touchdown. But you go into that third week, do you remember, were there ever any conversations among the two of you about what to say or how to say it? Uh, or did it just come to him, hey, let's just continue saying this? Yeah, well, you know, Rod, if you, if you go – you know, to last year and the years prior, he, he will say touchdown Auburn a lot of times in, in a long drawn out. And sometimes he'll go touchdown Tigers in a quick manner. He, he just, everything he does and did was kind of organic. He, he, he took pride in never rehearsing something um, because then it, it, it's maybe not genuine. And so he was, he's always been one and would tell you that, that he just didn't like to rehearse a moment because he wants it to be in that moment, not something that you think is a rehearsed moment. But with that, you know, he, he knew that that first touchdown Auburn um, in honor of Jim Fife was a big one. I mean, he knew it and he knew he had to nail it. And, and we had, you know, I went my first two years in 01 and two with Jim and of course his passing very suddenly in, in May of that 03 year, you know, it was a tough, tough situation. And, whomever took over that job for Jim was going to obviously be compared and, and ridiculed um, because Jim was a legend for 20 years. And, and during a time when Auburn made its huge resurgence under coach die and became that relevant, um, you know, team and winning SEC championships and so forth. And, and so it was going to be a tough situation, whomever took over that position. And, and, but he did, he knew it, he embraced it. Uh, he knew that he was, he didn't. He never wanted to be the next Jim Fife. He wanted to be the next Rod Bramlett, and 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 he knew it was a big role to fill. And he knew he would have the comparisons early on. But I think as '03 came around, and then '04 with the undefeated season, and then the course of 2010 and 13 and so forth. You know, I look back on it. We called 14 bowl games and and uh, three SEC championship wins and two BCS appearances and in, in championships going one and one in those and so he's been a part of a lot of, of phenomenal and and big time calls for all and, and uh, he is to this generation uh like a gym five was to his and uh he'll always be remembered and never forgotten you know you talk about the big moments but you know even the small moments it just seemed like he always had the the, the right thing to say and I think even obviously the kick six, the the prayer at Jordan Hare, um, he always, as you said, everything seemed just organic and spontaneous, you know, as it, as it should be, I would guess, you know, in that moment, you're not expecting that to happen, but 
even in the small moments, he seems to always have a little little thing to add or something like that. Was that from preparation, or was that just organic from him? Like in the middle of the game, yeah. when something happens. Yeah, I think I think um, he he took a lot of pride in in over preparing for what may come. But when you're in that business and in this business, you have to paint that picture. And, and I did, you know, I did TV for the first couple of years. And quite honestly, TV is easier than radio because you have a reference to look back at. Uh, you, you can say, okay, if you take a look here at the replay, you see that the quarterback overthrew it a little bit. Well, you don't have that on radio. It's live and happening. So he took a lot of pride in, 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 in that spontaneous moment and in, in painting that picture. And you prepare as much as you can, but you can't prepare for a miracle in Jordan hair. You can't prepare for kick six. Uh, I mean, there's no, there's no class you can go to for that. I mean, in, in Auburn's, you know, mind and, and, and our Auburn family, that was the miracle on ice, you know, from 1980. That was Al Michaels. Uh, that was, you know, Jack Nicholas's putt on, you know, uh, to win the 86 Masters. I mean, that that's to Auburn people, you know, and so how do you prepare for that? Uh, you, you may only have your one or two times. And in 2013, we had it twice in two weeks. You, you know, that iconic call and game where you know you either nail it or you don't and he's nailed it every time and he did and, and like you said he but he had those small moments you know my favorite part of a broadcast one of them was was the opening tease that he he took pride in writing oh, those personally. are those were so fantastic yes and oh they were they were incredible and and, and some of his opening teases he may he may look up some unique fact about maybe that day you know in time not, not nothing related to football and 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 in fact, I was talking to someone earlier about the West Virginia Auburn game back in 08, where he made Memphis of Barney Fife, Don Burns, a West Virginia native, and and just things that are were unique to that maybe game or that or the team that Auburn was playing. And he wrote every single one of those himself. And and you know, a lot of people he would even come in and and almost grade himself before he read it. He would tell us, "Hey guys." You know, I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not really liking the opening tease this week. It's just uh, I'm just not sure about it. And then he would come in other times. He goes, man, I think you guys are going to like the opening tease. I think you're going to like it. Well, what what he never understood is he nailed every one of them. He nailed every one of them. And, and it was it was Rod. And so, you know, those were the things that um, that he took and made his own, and they took great pride in it. I, I know that this being so sudden and everything, but. How will you remember Rod yourself as you move forward and you know you step in that booth next season and and he and he's not there? Well, you know that's something that that I'm just not sure. It obviously, is going to be a lot of emotions um, with all of us, myself included, and and uh, you know with of course Andy Birch, I'm doing right doing baseball with him for 25 you know, plus years and. And all of us, uh, it'll be a tough. It'll be very tough, um, you know. And and I'd like to thank, him, and I know that Rod would want us to to carry on and and do the best we could. But not gonna lie to you, it's gonna be very difficult. Uh, it's it's you know there'll be a lot of raw emotions, I'm sure. Um, and um, so you just you just deal with it, and and you you do your best to 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 think that he and Paul are looking down on us. And, and uh, hopefully he's he's grading us a little bit up there. <laughs> and, uh, and, <laughs> and you know, but uh, 
you know, he, he'll, he'll play great our performance and let us know one day uh, how he thought we did. But uh, it, it's obviously I, I lost a, a friend, a dear friend, and uh, and I don't call him a coworker or a colleague. He was he was a brother, like like the whole network family is, and and so um, you just never know. Uh, I guess of all of this is you just know that life is very fragile, and, and you know we all you know we all take it for granted, including myself, big time. And so you just uh, you just do what you can to try to make a difference, like Rod Bramlett made. He made a difference in a lot of people's lives in a, in a very very positive way. Jim Fife was there for the resurgence under Pat Dye, and then of course. Rod has been there for more of the national prominence of Auburn where, you know, you, you're playing for championships and, and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, he's, if you talk to any, you know, 20 something year old, they're, they're like, who, who, who's been, who have you listened to growing up? And they say, if you're an Auburn fan, Rod Bramlett's the only voice I know. And, uh, so, you know, that's the way he would want it. I mean, he, he, he he loved and cherished and embraced being the voice of the Auburn Tigers, and no one, you know, in in, in my years is is loved it more than him and Paula. They were a team, and uh, and so that's um, he knew the importance of it, and and he that's why he embraced it and took pride in it, and and in every way, not just on the air, but off off the air. And, talking with groups and alumni groups and teaching classes and so forth. He just, he loved every moment of it. As we continue our uh, tribute here to Rod Bramblett, uh, I wanted to bring in Jason Caldwell, who has been on the plains for, for a while and has known Rod through the decades here, really. Wrote a beautiful column you guys should really go read at auburn.247sports.com about not only Rod the man and what he meant as a commentator and, uh, you know, as a play-by-play man for Auburn, but also as just the person, the man, and their interactions. And uh, Jason, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. First off, how, how did you first meet Rod? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. You know how it is when you're somebody and you get into this business um, and you're covering a beat, it's a, it's a little different. You can feel extremely, especially, you know, when I got into this um, late nineties, you know, at that time you had people that, that because the newspaper industry was so different, you had people that were covering teams for, you know, like I've done now for a couple of decades. And so, um, when you're the, the newcomer on the block, you can kind of feel out of place at times. And, uh, you know, my assignment then was, uh, you know, pretty much the same it is now. I did a lot of football recruiting, uh, obviously did football, uh, a little basketball, but then all of our baseball. And so I really jumped into baseball with, with both feet. It's a sport I grew up loving, um, you know, played it my whole life, really. And so for me, that was kind of, okay, I'm going to jump in and, and do everything I can in, in, in baseball. And as a guy then, you know, I had nothing tying me down. Um, I would, you know, I decided I'm going to, I'm going to make a couple of trips on the road each year to go, you know, watch them, you know, Auburn play to cover the team on road trips. And so, you know, after maybe one of those or one or two of those, 
you know, when, when guys see you doing that, they, you know, you know, Rod and Andy, both, you know, those guys kind of in, included me and saw that, Hey, I was serious about, about doing this and covering baseball. It just wasn't something for me. And so, uh, pretty early on, they, you know, those guys kind of, kind of took me in a little bit. And, um, it wasn't long after that, that, you know, I, I would make a road trip with them. You know, they had a van and back then they kind of worked for Auburn network. I had, had an old silver van and they would take off to, you know, road trips. And I, I know Gainesville, um, Baton Rouge, um, Starkville, uh, I think probably three or four of those places. I kind of hitched along for the ride and went on road trips, had my whole hotel room. You know, they were staying with the team and, um, you know, just kind of worked out. Kirk Sampson was the baseball SID in early, in early in those years. And so a lot of times it would be us four in a van. And um, the thing that sticks out to me is uh, that was the early days of Sirius XM. And, you know, Rod, a big 80s guy. And so there would be kind of named that team. Uh, hey, song comes on. Uh, who sang it? Title of the song. And, of course, Rod was the kind of the king of, of 80s music. I I try to think myself as, as pretty good at it, but Rob was way better than me. Um, and that's kind of how it started, really, just uh, that baseball connection. And, and obviously, that was where it started for Rod at Auburn. Now, he called you know, high school basketball and high school football and those things. But at Auburn, he was, it was baseball for him in those early years. Uh, and then the, the passing of Jim Fife opened up the, the full play-by-play voice, and, and he uh, ended up getting his dream job. But, yeah, it was those baseball years that kind of got it started. During the, those early years when you were on the beat, um, any uh, any fun stories? Talking to Rod, as you said, he was pretty into 80s music. I, th- I think you are too. I know I am. Uh, any, 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 any fun sing-alongs? Anything? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 it's funny because a lot of those would be would end up where guys are singing or you're trying to remember the words, those kind of things. And so that was a lot of those times. Um, the things that I remember, and some of those even recently, would be, um, you know, say, you know, last year in, at, in, in CA Regional Raleigh and then um, in Gainesville, um, you know, where you're in a place for four or five days. Um, it would be a text from Rod or Andy going, all right, um, you know, whatever restaurant you're going to, you know, whether it be like, you know, Chewy's or, or you know, from Mexican or whatever, a hey, uh, UN uh, lunch tomorrow at 11, let's go. And so it would be those times where you just kind of sit around. And of course, obviously for them, you know, you're, you're talking, you know, Auburn baseball, but the, the thing that sticks out to me probably more than anything in the stories from, you know, from Rod would be for years. We have, you know, this past week would have been a dozen phone calls. Um, all right, what's your bracket look like? Where do you think Auburn's going to wind up? Those kind of things. That's something that, you know, Rod was a very, um, I want to say strategic. I'm trying to figure out a better word for it, but he's a guy that, that liked to, to plan things out. And, um, you know, that was one of the things that he would always, we would always talk about is, uh, where do you think it's going to wind up? And I, the last time I talked to him was Friday. Um, last Friday, I talked, you know, I called him and 
the day after Auburn got eliminated the SEC tournament. Uh, what do you think? And he said, oh, I think it's going to be Atlanta. You know how the it was really one of the reasons why on Sunday night in my final prediction, I stuck with Atlanta because I was like, I that that was that's what I thought. I'm going to stick with it, and of course it wound up being right. But um, that is one of the things that that always will always stick out to me and the Ed and then his preparation for football. I wrote a little bit about that in my column, but you know, people think, you know, you just jump up there and, you know, you have some stats in front of you and yeah, that's how you call a football game. Well, Rod would spend hour upon hour upon hour getting boards ready to call a football game uh, where he would have starter reserves, little stats, little notes everywhere across the field, every player that, that might get on the field um, to help him add a little something to a broadcast. And, you know, I think that's why I was talking about kind of being particular. It's it's those kind of things that that I think he, he learned um, over the years, but it was also kind of his personality too, that he wasn't going, going into that thing and not be prepared as possible. Yeah, I know you, you like you said, you've had plenty of conversations with him about just preparing for games and like that. And, you know, obviously I, I didn't know Rod anywhere close as, as, as close as you did, but he's a guy that every time I, I saw him, it was like his personality that was on the radio was the same personality he had away from the radio. The guy just seemed to be so happy about his life and what he was doing and not only just with his own life, but what he was doing as a representative of Auburn. And, and in that in sense, I mean that he felt like he had a – it was a privilege, one, but also a job to 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 make Auburn um, kind of sing, sing in a lot of ways um, by utilizing his own voice to describe the action and just how important and how different Auburn was and – we heard those in his uh, introductions before games, which were beautifully written and beautifully said by him. But also, obviously, in all the big calls he's made, um, it just seemed like he never hesitated in those big calls. And he always had a punctuation of some sort, uh, not, not necessarily a saying, like everybody's got like a saying or a, a cliche or whatever. But, you know, go crazy Cadillac, that that being something that. Cadillac would tell the team go crazy and it was kind of like the perfect thing to say considering all the drama that was leading up to that game in the Iron Bowl in 2003 with Jetgate going on um, the kick six as we know uh, the prayer at Jordan Hare when he said a miracle in Jordan Hare almost immediately um, the guy just had a knack that I don't know if you can necessarily explain can you explain it just how is it because of the preparation and everything else came easy to him? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to just just say, hey, you know, everything seemed easy to him, but it, it just seemed like he had the right thing to say at every single moment, whether it was small or big. I think preparation is part of it. I think um, thinking ahead, hey, what what do I need to do to get get this across if, something were to happen uh i think that's part of it too maybe the expectation of okay i got to be prepared for something magical to happen and he you know that was kind of 
kind of his talk using a lot of those intros would, would be to set up, Hey, this, you know, there was, there was never one of those that, <clears throat> you know, all the baseball games, all the basketball, whatever, none of those were ever mailed in. Um, those are always things that, that, that showed you right there that this guy is ready for another game. And, you know, and that's through a lot of basketball seasons and a lot of baseball seasons and, and some football seasons too, that it'd been easy at the end of the year to go, Oh, let's, you know, this nobody's listening. It doesn't really matter. That was never his. That was never his choice. His choice was always to to call every game like it was the most important game of the year, and, and for him it was. And so, um, but I think you know, getting back to the kind of the, the perfect thing to say, I think that's that shows you a guy that that worked on his craft, but also a guy that found his calling and knew that's what he wanted to do. Um, I mean, you think about guys that, you know, these guys that, that have moved around, whether, you know, whether it be coaches or whatever it is, uh, broadcasters have done it too. All, uh, all Rod wanted to do was, was, you know, be a play by play guy at Auburn. That was, that was what he'd grown up doing, um, grown up wanting to do. Um, and it worked for, you know, since he left Auburn, uh, to come back and be part of that. And, um, he started working with Jim Fife and helping him and, that that this is what he wanted to do, um, and you know, not many people can say that you know they lived out their dream, and, and that's what he was able to do. You know, when he replaced Jim Fife after he tragically passed, um, every generation, I think, no matter what college uh, or university or even pro sports team, every generation has a voice. I think, and for one generation it was Jim Fife, and then there was the overlap in those early years. Uh, with Rod, what what do you recall it was like when Rod took over for Jim and had such big shoes to fill in two thousand three? It was it was the toughest thing you can imagine, um, because Jim Fife, like you said, the voice of a generation. For me, growing up, Jim Fife was was the voice. I was born, and, and Gary Sanders was kind of still doing play by play when I was little. Um, I think I, rem- I remember how there was a, you know, they made a record of, of all the 17, 16 wins, the punt, Bama punt in 1972. That's the year I was born. So I heard Gary Sanders calls. And of course, now you can find some of those things on YouTube or whatever. But for me, my formative years, Jim Fife was the, the voice I heard, whether it be, you know, Auburn football games on, you know, Saturdays, you know, hey, or, listen to basketball and think, you know, I think back to, you know, you know those eighties, you know, those runs in the NCAA tournament, listening to those games. Cause back then you basically had two games that were on TV and you know, I was listening to Auburn basketball, make a run. So that was what Rod had to, had to take over after and making it even tougher was, you know, something that, you know, Auburn fans remember. And now I remember it and, and I kind of, kind of laugh about it but I think it was something that was really a a tough challenge for Rod but probably made him a much better broadcaster in the end right out of the gate in 2003 Auburn kind of came up with this plan that hey first touchdown of the year gonna go touchdown on one side of the stadium and Auburn on the other side of the stadium to honor Jim Fife well Auburn opened with with USC that year um it was pretty pretty darn good. Auburn didn't score a touchdown. Played at Georgia Tech the next week, didn't score a touchdown. So 
So two weeks into his tenure as Auburn's football play-by-play guy, all this excitement built up for a preseason top 10 national team, got all these plans to honor Jim Fife, and Auburn doesn't score a touchdown. Um, that's what he had to deal with right out of the gate. Um, and I'm sure it was it was one of those things probably, well, those, those couple of weeks probably felt like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. And, of course, it had nothing to do with him. But when you're in that position and taking over that job, um, it was it was a, I think it was a tough transition for him. But I think it took, you know, the end of that year that that Cadillac Williams run. I think a play like that really cemented him to the Auburn fans because the Auburn baseball fans already had they already had a call. Nineteen you know 1997, uh, David Ross home run in, in Tallahassee to beat Florida State was a signature call. And it's still, of all the things Rod's done, for me, that's still the one because the excitement of, of a couple of younger broadcasters and him and Andy for a play like that just go through the roof. Um, you know, I, I think it, it took a couple of those for for the, the general public and the general Auburn football fan to go, hey, this guy's pretty good. And, uh, and once it, once it kind of took hold, then it really mushroomed, and of course you have a chance to call the first national championship since 1957 with the West Fireman's kick, and then obviously the most iconic, maybe the most iconic radio call in college football history with a kick six. I mean, there's been maybe maybe more important plays to win a national championship or do those things, maybe a Vince Young run, but there I don't know that there'll ever be a more iconic play and call as that one and the way it captured the attention of the sports world in general, not just college football. And all of those are kind of built up to, to, to what Rod is. You know, I know a lot of people know it, but not a lot of people realize it. If this makes sense that, you know, once Rod became the voice in 2003 and then forward, even to now, I'll take example, example, this season, you know, he goes from football season to calling basketball games and doing the both at the same time. And then basketball makes its incredible run to the final four. And then right after that, he's got to get back into baseball mode. That's got to be difficult, but this guy was tireless. And you talk about preparation. I can't imagine going from sport to sport to sport and having to speak on a microphone for three, four hours or more. Um, not necessarily every day, but you're doing it a lot and you're traveling a lot. And uh, I can imagine, you know, a voice getting tired and everything in the throat and everything. Um, but for them to do that, not a lot of schools nowadays, Jason, have a guy that does the three big sports anymore. They, they usually focus on one or two. Uh, but Barad did all three. Why, why do you think that is? Because he loved it. I think that's uh, – I think – you know, the, the easy one would, would have been to give up baseball. Um, but I think that was the one that kind of got him there. And I think that was, you know, calling baseball is such a different one because it's it's so laid back and you get a chance to really connect with players and with coaches in baseball. Like I said, you take those road trips and it's two or three days worth uh, if you're, you guys are flying somewhere or whatever. Uh, I think that was something that, that was was in his heart uh, to keep doing those and to keep doing that. But you know the re- you know it's it's kind of the same reason why you know 
people kind of laugh at I don't want to say to laugh at us, but they talk about, hey, you know, you got your dream job. And, and my wife will quickly say, it absolutely is. But, you know, you do realize that, you know, these guys are only off about five days a year <laughs> because Rod looked at it the same way. It was his dream job, but it wasn't a job. That's what he wanted to do. And if that's what you want to do, then you never look at it as a job. And you're right, it was, he was tireless. And there were a couple of occasions, even this year, even with this basketball run, they play a doubleheader baseball on a Saturday and, and playing a basketball game. He would come out and, and call the first baseball game, walk on over to Auburn Arena, get prepared, and do a basketball game later that evening on the same day. You're talking about preparation. Um, that's that's it. And, and, you know, that's something that he's done a lot of. I mean, um, I really I think that this year, I think it may have been Mississippi State or maybe a little later, um, it was later. Um, the first baseball game that Rod and Andy called together was in the second half of the SEC schedule because of the basketball making that run. Um, Twenty-five years together for those guys, you know, doing doing baseball games. And um, but it, you know, now with you know the addition of you know teams broadcasting, you know, TV out of their own, you know, as an in-house broadcast as well. Um, you know, a lot of times Rod's doing games where, you know, maybe it's just him and, you know, somebody else joining in, whether it be Paul Ellen or Brad Law or somebody like that. And, um, but just never miss a beat and keep going. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was, it was his love and he never looked at it as a, as a, as a job. It was always just, uh, who he was. From a personal standpoint, what will you always remember about Rod? Uh, as the person it'll probably be those you know whether it be um you know hanging out and and eating lunch um talking about a baseball matchup all those things but you know be a lot of times where um you know for years we did our own radio show um you know for a couple hours every afternoon and, and it was came out of the auburn network and so rod would come in you know before or after or, or during and, and talk and hang out and um so it's it's been one of those things where um it's just been more of um a i would say a, a just a bond more than anything of of two guys that had had the same coverage but in different ways obviously rod's doing it in radio but we're both still looking for okay, what do you think about this? And so it would be back and forth of, hey, what do you think about this young guy? Do you think he's going to be ready to play? So it was always those conversations. Um, you know, because of, of our job, it's tough to, in the moment, um, listen or, or listen to radio calls or do those things. And so probably those conversations. And then, um, you know, like I said, I go back to baseball in, in those early years and, and even until recently, you know, if a team played on the road and you didn't go, then you were depending on those guys to describe the action. You know, there was no stat broadcast in 2002. So you had to you had to listen to those guys describe the action to follow along to be able to, to write a recap from a game that you didn't, you know, physically see. Um, and, and that's what I always remember, too, is, is, you know, Rod and Andy, those guys, 
um, describing games and, and making it feel like I was, I was there. And, uh, I think that's what the fans connected to with Rod Bramlett more than anything is that, you know, even if they were across the globe, um, they felt like it was what it was be when you know what it was to be there for that kick six, and I think that's the uh, that's the key. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed one hundred thousand miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If you guys haven't had a chance, go read Barrett Salee's column on Rod Bramblett at cbssports.com. It's a nice reflection. As of many columns and and articles, for that matter, you you guys have probably read over these last couple of days. And Barrett is nice enough to join us here. Barrett Barrett has quite uh, uh, the connection to Rod. Going way back, and for those of you who didn't know, Barrett uh, went to school here at, at Auburn University and was part of the media relations staff during his time here for a little bit. Uh, Barrett, I guess just take us through how you got to know Rod and your first interactions with him and and your first impressions. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not hyperbole and it's not waxing poetic when, when people that know him say he was one of the nicest people on the planet because he really was. Um, when I... I grew up in an Auburn house. Uh, my dad went to Auburn, so I obviously grew up around Auburn. And uh, when I got there, um, or when I, I got, I started meet, working at media relations as a student assistant. I guess my junior season, and Rod was doing baseball games back then. And uh, obviously, he had uh, already had one legendary call to David Ross walk off home run under his belt. Um, you know, but back then, you, uh, you the, the information around wasn't readily accessible. So us in media relations, we actually did do a lot of work providing information to local, regional, national media folks, because, you know, we were the ones that had that information. The internet really didn't. And and so, um, you know, a lot of those guys were always around. Um, and for, for Rod doing, you know, baseball games, you know, he was around a lot. And, you know, all of us in that office, by and large, wanted to either be 
you know, SIDs or work in the media. And so when, whenever, you know, Rod or Walker would come around or whatever, you know, we'd provide whatever we needed to provide, do our jobs, whatever. And, you know, he'd end up talking to us about, you know, the business life, whatever, for, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever there's, you know, he's in there holding court with, you know, three or four students and, and always to talk about, you know, what we wanted to talk about, which was really cool. Um, and, and really, you know, since, since then working, you know, in this business now for 17 years or so, however long it is, um, you know, my, my interactions with him has been more, you know, media, media type thing. And, uh, we'd always talk, chit chat. And, and again, sort of the same thing, you know, always willing to chat, always willing to tell you, ask you how you're doing, how's your family, what have you been up to? How's this? How's that? He'd always remember things about, you know, people that, that are, that are minor details, but helps, you know, spur conversation. And, and that's just the kind of guy he was. He was just a friendly, friendly guy who did his job well, got his dream job. Um, and, and I think um, probably in terms of professional careers, you know, whatever your profession is, um, not only got his dream job, but he reached the ultimate uh, peak of his dream job with the kick six and how that's going to be immortalized. And it's just it's sad to see him go. Um, uh, you know, it's I don't know why it was his time, but just a, an all around like great guy, a great job for a place that he loved. And uh, he's going to be missed. There's no doubt about it. What were your conversations like um, here in the last several years? As you said, you know, you you going from knowing him as a as a student to obviously being successful in what you do and being a reporter, um, not necessarily on the other side of things, but obviously in a different role. When you guys would discuss the industry and everything, what were those conversations like? Um, you know, mostly it was, I mean, those of us in our industry, Brandon, I mean, you know this too, um, a lot of us are friends that never see each other. Right. Like, you know, we'll see each other at media days or, you know, a game here or there or whatever. But I, th I would say that a vast majority of us, you know, in this industry, especially in the southeast, you know, we're friends, even though, you know, we don't actually get to physically see each other and hang out all that often. Um, you know, when, when I did a podcast, Rob would always come on and, and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And it was great um, off air and on air. And and we did a little bit of the same when we had him on Sirius XM, you know, a few times as well. But, um, you know, for the most part, it was, you know, a little bit of, of football, a little bit of business and, and, you know, a little bit of personal stuff. You know, what's going on? How's the family? Um, for me personally, I, I remember him asking um, me about my seizures twice, at least twice, maybe more than that. And, uh, you know, he didn't have to remember that. I mean, it's little things like that, that, you know, really, you know, it sticks with you. And it's not just with Rod, it's just with, with anybody. If, if you haven't seen somebody in a while, even if you are, you know, relatively close to them, whether it be through text or whatever, and they remember little things that, that, you know, mean a lot, then, you know, that to me speaks of, speaks to somebody's character that, that they can sit there and say, okay, I remember, you know, seven months ago, this was going on and it was a conversation in passing, but it might be really, really important. And, and Rod was always that guy. He always remembered, you know, a little bit about who you are, what you have in your life, where you've been, things like that. And it was it was with everybody. I mean, he 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 would he would recall names and faces and details that that I don't think many people can. And I think that's that's why a lot of people gravitated toward him, because, you know, even if you, you know, were only an acquaintance, you know, it, he didn't make it seem like that. He made it seem like you were his friend. 
Barrett, um, my, my final question, you know, as a member of the media now, one who you have like the 30,000 foot view now, I guess, of everything uh, in the SEC and, and nationally. But when you think of Rod Bramblett in his place in college football history, not only for obviously what he's done for Auburn, but the kick six call, the prayer at Jordan Hare, uh, go crazy Cadillac. Is that a voice we're going to hear nationally in highlight reels and everything for years and years to come? And what, what, what do you think his place is in the long run? Is he, is he going to be someone that's going to be long remembered for those calls nationally? No doubt. I mean, like, like I said before, you know, for someone in his profession to live out his dream and achieve the ultimate, I mean, uh, to, for him to have that radio call, I mean, that is of the kick six, that is, you know, that's winning the world series. That's winning the Stanley cup. That's, you know, becoming president of the United States. That's, that's everybody's dream with whatever profession they're in. He achieved it. And, um, you know, it's, that I think anyway is, is a top five play in American sports history. And I think it's the greatest play in college football history and for him to have his name attached to it especially in a day and age where you know people can remember Vern Lundquist's call of it which is great I mean Vern did a great job but you always seek out the radio host of the team that won or lost because you want to hear the voice of the fan and that's what Rod was he was the voice of the fan and for him to have to, to absolutely nail that call um, at that time in a situation where I mean even as prepared as Rod Bramlett was I don't think he knew that was going to happen I don't think he prepared for that curveball to happen um, you know, it was, it was his dream. And, and I remember talking to him, I had him on it was a radio show that I did on Sirius XM or a podcast, um, after that. And, and he said that he had no idea what he said and, 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 you know, he didn't know if he nailed it, but when he walked out of the stadium and saw, you know, what the reaction was not inside the stadium, but when he left the stadium and saw the reaction, it kind of hit him like that this that was that was immortal. Like that was what what he said is going to live on forever in in American sports, and and it kind of overwhelmed him a little bit. So um, you know that that's legacy I see for him. But you know, for for me anyway, looking back, you know, and being an in, in Auburn guy and growing up around Auburn, um, that's what he's going to be known for by the by people sort of outside the bubble. I still think the go crazy Cadillac thing was was one of the more remarkable calls, especially considering, you know, place and time, a crazy week, you know, Jetgate was happening. People knew that things were going on behind the scenes. Nobody knew exactly what that was unless you were on that airplane to Louisville. And, you know, it was a stressful week. And on the first play from scrimmage, Carno goes 80 yards. This is on Rod Ramblett's first year as a football play-by-play announcer. And when he screams, go crazy, Cadillac, go crazy, he's not telling, saying go crazy to Carnell Williams, and he's not saying go crazy to the football team. He's saying that specifically to fans because that was the ultimate outlet. That was the ultimate relief. And it was basically Rod saying, look, this sucked. This whole week was awful. Let it all out. Go do your thing. Have some fun. Not specific, not at the football team, but at the fans, and and for that to happen for here uh, as the play-by-play guy, that that to me, I remember you know hearing that call, thinking, okay, you know, here he is replacing Jim Fife, a guy he looked up to, a guy that everybody at Auburn knew, a guy that everybody in the SEC put on the same sort of level as Larry Munson and John Warden, some of those guys. Here he comes after Jim Fife died, which is a terrible situation, into his dream job, and within one year. 
he had solidified himself as not just a play-by-play guy, but but in, in terms of legacy, a guy who was perfectly capable of carrying on Jim Fife's legacy and building his own. Carnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25, cuts it inside. 30, 35, 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50, to the 40, to the 30, to the 20, to the 15, 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. That's what I remember him by. Um, and I know, I, I think that's what he would want to be remembered by. I don't think necessarily he'd want to be remembered just for the kick six. I think he'd want to be um, remembered as the voice of, uh, of the Auburn man and the Auburn uh, woman and and really has been that way for him I think really since that go crazy Cadillac call and and was was that way up until you know his last call uh, in the final four I think that's what he wants to be remembered by but I do think that you know he, he does re- does recognize and did recognize that um, you know his voice is not going away you're going to hear that kick six call forever and uh, he's certainly proud of that uh, an incredible man and and one like you said uh you know, uh, it's amazing. You know, he's the voice of the fans a lot of the times on these broadcasts, and but yet he still, if you if you watch him while he makes these calls, there's video out there if anybody's never seen it of during the kick six. He, oh, you can, his body language is almost pretty subdued for with everybody else going nuts around him. <laughs> with Stan and White jumping on, I, I don't know how you just don't drop a a, a curse word on the air. Which uh, I had a funny story when. Auburn reached the Elite Eight this past season in basketball, and they beat Kentucky in overtime. Um, I think I tweeted uh, a bad word, you know, you sure. know, in reaction, like, holy, you know, whatever. And uh, I just got done with interviews in the locker room, just a crazy environment. Auburn's heading to the Final Four. They just got done celebrating, and Rod Bramblett walks out and walks up to me and goes, I saw your tweet. I wish I could have said that on the air. Um <laughs> Now, I, I know he doesn't want to say that on the air, but as you said, he's just such a nice guy, he, and he just keeps up with everything. He knows everything a little bit about everybody and is so nice, yeah. and, well, and I'll and forever remember that. In, in my story, that's that's kind of what I wanted to portray because the, the best part about the kick six, to me, wasn't the um, Auburn's going to win the football game. You know, They're not going to keep him on the field tonight. That's, those weren't the best parts. The best part was 15 seconds later where he – just out of nowhere goes, oh my lord in heaven! That's basically the same thing that you said on Twitter. It's the, yeah. it's it's like the decompression, the re, the the reality had sort of set in just a little bit, where you kind of realize the gravity of of what you just saw, and and that's kind of what I wrote my piece around is that you know uh, rods up in heaven and and oh my lord in heaven to me anyway of that kick six call was was the most important part because. You know, as, as a guy who grew up Auburn, my family loves Auburn, um, you know, all of them were there. Um, they all had basically the same reaction, I think, 30 seconds after Chris Davis, you know, crossed the goal line. It might have had, like, like you said, a few more colorful words than, oh, my Lord in heaven. But uh, that was it, it was generally the same reaction. And I think, you know, that that's just Rod being Rod. And, um, you know, I think that's why a lot of people connected with them and why a lot of people, uh, people loved it. You guys, if you haven't checked it out, and if you're not a subscriber, I know I shouldn't be pumping up other sites and everything, but uh, whatever, good work's good work. Uh, check out theathletic.com and check out Justin Ferguson's uh, column. Uh, when you call it a column, 
uh, Justin? Yeah. yeah. I, would, I would say it's a column. A column, a tribute, uh, something in that ballpark. Yeah. Uh, a tribute uh, to, to Rod Bramblett that uh, he posted, and uh, a lot of fans have really grown a liking to it, uh, as I've myself. Uh, you know, I'm an outsider. I, I didn't grow up in the state. I didn't grow up around Auburn, obviously, for that matter, and I wasn't familiar with Rob Bramblett till six years ago, and you've been familiar with him, really, uh, throughout your life and through your formative years, and when, um, really, if you think about it, Rod started his job when Auburn football started being great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he came in at such a really interesting time uh, for Auburn. Um, They had had the 2002 and 2003 seasons had so much hype around him early on, especially that 03 season. And, you know, to, he stepped in at a, at a really tough time because Jim Fife was a legend. I mean, I remember growing up and listening to his calls um, and how, you know, he was just, he had that voice where you just, it stuck with you for a while. And uh, that 03 season, I just remember vaguely um, after Fife died and, and he too died in uh, very tragic circumstances. Um, people are like, well, how are you going to replace him? And Bramlett stepped in, and, and I remember I remember having conversations. Uh, I was talking to my dad about this yesterday, about how he was like on the fence about, man, can anybody really replace Jim Fife? And and Auburn's season kind of went by the you know wayside early on. Uh, but that 03 game, uh, the Iron Bowl in, in Jetgate, um, you know, him calling go crazy Cadillac, and as I wrote in the story, it just really – I mean, his his legend took off there, on the, and and the first play of his first Iron Bowl that he ever called, it was it's it was incredible. It was like the stage was set for him to kind of step up, and and it's like okay, it's it's his turn now. Uh, he was going to take the torch from uh, uh, you know Jim Fife, even though it was towards the end of the season. And you're absolutely right. You know, after that game, uh, Auburn goes on in the '04 season, and and you know this modern era of success for Auburn football. Um, you know, the, the, the streak against Alabama, the 2010 national championship game, the 2013 run, um, even the 2017 run. I mean, it all comes back. Uh, you know, Rod Bramble was that was that voice in the background for for all of it. And you, you talk about a, a man having to step in for a legend. A lot of people say, hey, you know, in the coaching industry, you want to be the guy that replaces the guy that had to replace the legend because mm-hmm. there's not that much, uh, you know, uh, pressure on you. But as you said, Rod came in, and the thing is, people will say, hey, he stepped in, there were some great games, so of course he's remembered. That, that's not it, guys. What, what, what made Rod so special, in, in my belief, in his calls, mm-hmm. is that when those big moments happened, he did not hesitate, he knew exactly nope. what to say, and he made them memorable and elevated the moment more so than, than anyone else. I mean... When people think of Go Crazy Cadillac, they don't go re- back and rewatch the ESPN clip to hear what ESPN said. You yeah. know, that was a moment that, you know, that whole week was so dramatic. Um, and for it was kind of like everybody letting loose, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I recall from reading and, and listening to part of that broadcast, when he said "Go crazy, Cadillac," that was because Cadillac Williams in the in the locker room would always say before games, "Let's go crazy, let's go crazy," mm-hmm. and uh, I think Rod was one using that from Cadillac, but also telling the fans to just let loose, let all that stress and pressure out of your your mind. 
this is the Iron Bowl, and, and Auburn's here to play no matter what's going on in the background right now with Jetgate. And it was a marvelous call and one that, you know, nationally doesn't get the recognition, but I, I, I would think definitely ranks up there among his top five calls at Auburn, if not top three. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, it's my all-time favorite, and as I wrote in the story, you know, everyone will think about the 2013 calls uh, for good reason, but, you know, like I had to go back and kind of watch them. But for someone who grew up an Auburn fan and for someone who listened to those games as they were happening, like as you were seeing it on TV, as I, I said, and I think a lot of people did this, especially um, in the early earlier days, probably, um, you know, they would mute the TV and, and, and put Rod's call on. And even before then, it would be, you know, Jim Fife. And so to watch Cadillac break down the sideline and have that 80 yard touchdown run and have what Rod was saying, I mean, it just kind of just cemented it together. But you're absolutely right. I mean, he had the right thing to say, I mean, pretty much every time he made a big call. Um, 2013, you know, everybody's going to go on about the kick six call. And, you know, that's what made him kind of a national uh, icon, I think, in his in his industry. Um, But the miracle of Jordan Hare, the fact that just the insanity of it happening um, and, you know, we were on the sidelines trying to just piece together. Oh, wow. What 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 just happened there? And Rod made that call, and not only did he, you know, say, you know, Lewis caught on the flexion, but it's the a miracle at Jordan Hare, a miracle at Jordan Hale. Like he had that like right off the bat, and that's what the play will for, be forever known as. And he like he gets it like right then. Um, I think about some of his uh, the Auburn's upsets of Florida, um, West Byram's game winning field goal, and when he, you know, everybody's going crazy. Stan White's kind of yelling and jumping around. You can hear him in the uh there in the in the booth and you know bramlett just yells out see you later alligator and that was something that was put on t-shirts immediately after like he just had the knack for just getting it right every single time and that's hard man like it's hard to do that um you know on the fly when you see these crazy things happen in front of you um but he was always ready i mean it was like he always his his mind uh, for for calling games was, was as quick as uh, as his tongue, honestly, because he 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 did a good job of keeping all of that, like the Ricardo Lewis call, but he always had just the right thing, the the punctuation uh, mark to just put on uh, all those big moments. Now Rod did so much else outside of just football. I, I think he had some amazing basketball calls when I've listened to it. In fact, this past season, as you know, Ferg, I. I didn't sit out on pressure a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I would sit downstairs and listen to the radio call and watch the uh, close cap, not close capture, the close circuit television live feed, so I could listen to Rod and listen to Sonny Smith's kind of take on everything. And yeah. Rod, when it was getting down the stretch, and then I kept listening to them throughout the NCAA tournament as I was sitting courtside. He had some amazing calls. Whether I think his patented one that no one talks about a lot is him saying "night, night," you know, yeah. whenever there was a big jam or flush um, near the end mm-hmm. of a game, and uh, I, I'm so glad for him that he got a call a Final Four. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It, it was he's done some amazing things. Things that a lot of broadcasters, you know, just sit back and go, I, I wish I could have one of those moments. And, and, he, and he had a lot of moments and he made him so much better. Yeah. His basketball calls were, were extraordinary. Like you said, night, night, I think is great. As somebody pointed out to me, he had, he had done that another time before. I think it was the Alabama game uh, 
the season before this one when they came back with you know that that low rotation at home um but that was his that was kind of his that signature and uh to me you know growing up those 99 2000 teams for auburn the the last time auburn basketball was really at that point uh you know jim fife used to have a call whenever mamadou Njai uh did something uh and it it stuck with me you know he he'd be a block and fife would go hello dakar senegal and um you know just shouting that out and it was great like i remember i remember being a kid i remember like yelling that you know playing basketball in the driveway or something yeah. like that and i think night night you know something like that is that or or you know his calls of jared harper's deep threes mm-hmm. uh, like the one against florida you know it's just uh, I, one of the things that i loved about seeing this run from auburn to the final four is um, I think a, a storyline, and I thought about it a lot sa- uh, Saturday night and Sunday. You're right. You're glad he got that you know, chance to call that Final Four. It's just that joy. It was so unbridled. He was so happy that Auburn was in this position, not just so he could call these games, but he was just happy that his school and, and, and a program that he had called for a while, and it was he called so much bad basketball <laughs> for so long. And to get this moment in these last two seasons was so big for him. Uh, I wrote it in the story. I, you know, they came back from Kansas City, um, you know, going to the Final Four, and I was outside uh, when they brought the team back in. And I remember the, everybody getting off the bus, and players are going by, people are screaming and going on. And when Rod got off and walked through, I mean, it, the roar was as big as if it was Chumo Key. Well, it wasn't Chumo at that point, but if it was Jared Harper or Bryce Brown coming off the bus. Like, it, it, he was – he was the voice of that. And, and, and a lot of people love that and they love Rod and, you know, Rod, you could just see him just taking it all in and absorbing it, uh, him and Sonny Smith. And it was, it, it was really extraordinary to, to kind of see those guys um, get to celebrate that and be a part of that. Uh, and, you know, you're absolutely right. You're, you're so glad that um, Auburn basketball made that run and he got an opportunity to, to be a part of that. And uh, it was something that he definitely cherished. I think every generation of Auburn fans or fans of any college program, they, they have their voice and they identify with that voice. And I've never been somewhere where someone has said, Hey, this person's better than that person in the mm-hmm. past. It just seems like there's always a seamless, not necessarily seamless, but there's a transition generationally. You know, people will finally remember Jim Fife as they should and they always will for for calls um but i think rod Bramlett would even say i obviously i'm not want to speak for him but you know a, a broadcaster or a journalist or anybody that does anything uh is only as big as the moment mm-hmm. and i think he surpassed the moment with the way yeah. he handled everything that's my take on him he did he did and, and he handled that transition in 03 uh with with so much grace there were so many questions and I remember I read back and uh, I linked to the interview in my, in my column and I was kind of digging up some info on him and stumbled on it. It was a Charles Goldberg interview when he worked, uh, still worked for the university. Um, and they did an interview on, you know, kind of 10 years of Bramlett being there and after, you know, five's passing. And, um, he said he had a manila folder still of all these emails that fans sent him. Hey, do this. Don't do this. Uh, you going to do touchdown Auburn. You don't need to do touchdown armor. That's, that's Jim Fife's thing. And uh, he was hesitant at first at doing it, and then he ended up just saying, you know what, this is an Auburn 
something. And um, it became part of his signature. And yeah, I mean, he surpassed the moment, the big moments. He made them unique. He made them something that we think about. Um, you know, we'll remember the plays that Auburn had. Uh, I think if you could name any play of these past 16 years from Auburn that sticks out in your mind, um, almost always you're going to be able to point out the, you know, the, the Rod Bramlett call. Uh, the 2010 Cam Newton's run against LSU uh, where he took Patrick Peterson. No, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And at the end, you know, always had something ready to roll. As yes. Soon as it came up and he said, put picks up and he goes, flash that smile, Cam, because that yeah, had been a big storyline that week yeah, about Cam. It seems like he always had a punctuation to the moment to add to it without mm-hmm. taking anything away from it. It just built, it just built something into it. And, and there were little minor um, things that looking back aren't as big as like the 2010 or the 2013 calls or some of the bigger moments. But I, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, about him is he just had that the, the punctuation uh, Corey Grant tail lights I mean he had that yep tail lights was that call that you always had that you would have and it and became synonymous with him Deshaun Davis tweeted um, something you know right after uh, the news came out of of, uh, of the de- of Rod Rod and Paul's death and said you know I'll always remember him you know saying Deshaun Davis you know. I think it was something like lowering the lumber, you know, on the tackle or something like that. It stuck with players. You know, guys remember Chris Davis had that tweet, uh, that tweet where he was saying, you know, you know, Chris Davis was a legend for becoming part of that kick six, but, you know, being, being the guy who made the kick six, but I think Rod Bramlett enhanced that as well. And people, um, you know, so many players and so many coaches, uh, they just connected with him so well. And you're right. He did. He did his homework, and 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 he had, you know, he had the access to the coaches and the players, and he took full advantage of it because, you know, when a, when a big moment happened, he had the boom. Here's the call, and here's the here's the punctuation mark that he was gonna uh, uh, get in there with it. And yeah, I mean, not everybody has that. Not everybody calls it like that in, in radio. Um, a lot of guys play it straight, or they might go too over the top. It was just. You know, you were going to get touchdown Auburn, or you were going to get something, and you were going to get boom. It was going to be the, it was going to be that 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 punctuation mark uh, that was going to be perfect for the moment, perfect for the situation, uh, perfect for the time that you were in. Uh, and uh, he had it already. I mean, he had it on his hip, ready to fire at any moment. One of the things that stuck with me um, with with Rod and hearing the news and all when it was kind of all coming out and we had the waves of it happening. And I think part of the reason why it stuck you know, kind of affected me so much. And, and a lot of other people is that, you know, as soon as the news came of his died, one of my friends texted me, um, one of my close friends texted me a video of the link of 35 best calls from Rod Bramlett. And she said, you know, I, I don't know anything else to do right now than just kind of watch this and honor him through it. And when I started watching it, I started thinking, you know, where I was when these plays happened, whether it was I was watching them at home on TV or when I was at the game or when I was at my grandparents' house watching it with them or the different situations. And it really kind of got me because those are some of my favorite moments growing up, um, watching football and watching Auburn with, with my with my dad and with my grandfather and with both of my younger brothers and other members of my family. And you know, it was like I said in the, at the end of the story. It's it's crazy uh, to think that um, you know, for a guy that Rod, you know, I we weren't very close. I mean, I talked to him a few times for stories. He was always very nice and courteous to me whenever I ran into him in the press box or before games. But the fact that his voice 
uh, is going to be in the background of so many great memories I had with my family and, uh, growing up, it's, you know, that sticks out. And I think a lot of Auburn fans, uh, are kind of having those same emotions and, you know, it's cliche, um, the Auburn family, I think even as someone who grew up in an Auburn family and, and went to school here and has been around here for a while, I think it gets way too overused. Um, but when stuff like this happens and, and you think about it, 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 it makes sense. And it makes sense because when Rod Bramlett uh, and his wife died this weekend, um, it kind of felt like you were losing somebody close to you. And um, because he was so uh, he, he was that ever present voice um, in, in those moments that you're always going to cherish uh, with your loved ones. And uh, especially if you grew up an Auburn football fan or an Auburn basketball fan. And that's that's what will stick with me for a while. And uh, it was kind of what compelled me to write the thing in the first place is that um, he has that special place in a lot of people's hearts um, because of our formative years or even later on or, you know, fans that are older than me. Uh, remember those big moments because of him. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's a trigger. You can immediately think of the call and you can know exactly where you're going. And uh, he just had that connection to a lot of people. And, um, you know, he's a very special guy. I'll, I'll say that much. He was, he was very, very special. David Housel, uh, Auburn historian, former Auburn athletics director, former Auburn everything, or the Auburn everyman. Uh, everybody knows David Housel. Uh, he uh, is a magnificent writer as well, as many of you know, and uh, paints pictures with his words, just as Rod Bramblett painted pictures with his words, but through the spoken word, as he called Auburn baseball, basketball, and football. When he was calling baseball, and obviously everybody remembers the the David Ross uh, home run, and he's had so many uh, memorable moments, obviously with football and the kick six and the prayer of Jordan Hare. Every generation has a voice, I should say. You know, Jim Fife, obviously. And then Rod had to come in. Yeah. Um, And Rod had to come in and, you know, under really unfortunate and just sad uh, circumstances to replace Jim Fife in 2003, at least uh, with, with recording and covering football, um, he had a tough task, but he really approached it with such a, a grace and with dignity and putting Auburn ahead of everything that, um, you know, every transition's difficult. But I would say by the end of that year, by that Iron Bowl, when he said, go crazy Cadillac, I think he kind of cemented himself as the next voice, wouldn't you think? I think that might have been the instant. Um, one of the great things about Rod is, as you say, he was very sensitive to that, to his responsibility in that moment. And, you know, quite frankly, a lot of folks didn't care for Rod that first year. But when he said, go crazy, Cadillac, that kind of caught on, and that was his first real memorable call. But... Um, he followed a legend, and that is never easy to do. But Rod was his own man, Brandon. He knew he couldn't be Jim Fife the second. He had to be Rod Bramlett. And I think he let Jim's expertise and Jim's way of doing it affect him, but it didn't control him. Everybody's got to, you can't be 
your successor. You have to be you. And I think Rod did that with a keen appreciation of Jim and a keen sense of the Auburn people. But you say, go crazy Cadillac, I think that is when he won the hearts of Auburn people. When when Rod had to step in for Jim Fife, do you remember what those early days were like when, one, the decision was having to be made of who steps in for Jim, and then also how that came to be, and then what it was like after that in those, those first few weeks, I guess? Well, I had, as athletic director, I had the final say or the final approval. But, I, you know, you surround yourself with good people. I had great trust in Mike Hubbard and Mike came to me with the decision that to go with Rod. I knew Rod. And uh, quite frankly, I knew it would be a leap for Rod, but I trusted Mike's judgment. And Mike was obviously right in giving the position to Rod. One of the things I remember about that early period of time is 2003, we were preseason number one in the nation. And uh, we opened with Southern Cal here in Auburn and we didn't score a touchdown. I think it was 23 to nothing. So the next week, we go to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech, an old ancient rival. So happy to have them back on the schedule. And we don't score a touchdown up there. And for a team that was preseason number one, not to score a touchdown in the first two games, that was kind of bum-fuzzling and flabbergasted, so to speak. But... um I remember Rod talking that summer, he and I talked that summer, about what his signature call would be. And he said, I can't do touchdown Auburn because that's Jim's call. And uh, he said, I don't know what I'll do. And he came in the AD's box before the game at Vanderbilt. And he said, you know, we were talking about what my call would be. I just hope we finally score a touchdown this season. And, of course, we did against Vanderbilt, and um, I don't remember what his call was. It wasn't his now signature touchdown, Auburn, like Jim's was. But, of course, Rod did uh, adopt that later on, I think, out of respect to to Jim and and the Auburn tradition. But at at first, he was worried if we'd ever score a touchdown. (laughs) A lot of people will, will, you know, they equate Jim Fife with, you know, Pat Dye and the resurgence of Auburn football. And I think in a lot of ways, when you look at Rod Bramblett's time, it was a bit of a renaissance as well with, you know, six in a row against Alabama. And then, of course, the national notoriety of going to a BCS championship and winning it and going to another and and finishing as a runner-up, winning three SEC titles during those 16 years at the microphone. And Rod seemed to capture all those big moments uh, perfectly and without hesitation, and he always reacted in the moment. It never seemed like he had a line prepared or anything like that. He always reacted with his gut, and it seemed like he always kind of had the perfect call. I think you're right, and I think that's that was true because Jim had Auburn. I'm sorry, Rod had Auburn in his gut. And Jim had Auburn in his gut. Rod's an Auburn guy. He knew. He understood. He was one of us. So when he spoke, He was speaking from an Auburn heart and Auburn mind and Auburn sense. He knew, he understood, and he articulated it as well as anyone can possibly do. How important do you think that is for for a voice of Auburn, for them to be an an Auburn man or woman, to truly kind of understand it? 
I don't think you have to be an Auburn graduate, um, but I think you do have to understand the people. You have to sense uh, who they are, what they value, how they value, and appreciate them and understand them. You don't have to be an Auburn graduate. That Rod was, I think that just put him that much further ahead. He knew where we had come from. He knew where we were, and he knew where we wanted to go. You can talk about that in words, but if you sense it and you feel it in your heart and you share that sense of history, presence, and ambition, then you got it. I know we've talked in the past about, you know, the, the kick six game, you know, maybe being the most important or uh, biggest moment in Auburn football history, just in a singular moment. And when you reflect on the call that Rod made, what comes to mind? I've been thinking a lot about that this last few days. And as you said earlier, each generation has its announcer. Gary Sanders in, in 72, it is blocked, it is blocked, and it's caught on the run, it's going to score. And I think that was a, Gary did a good job, he criticized the officials too much. Got, well, we won't go there, but um, Gary did a good job, but his was a one-game moment. Jim did a great job, but I think Rod's, experience and expertise covered a broader period of time. No Auburn play-by-play announcer has been able to go to the mountaintop as Rod did. He had he, he had a great experience here with our championships and the great runs in, in many different sports. And he was part of it, and he made it memorable. When I think about kick six, I tell you what's come to my mind is Russ Hodges, 1951. You know where I'm going. The Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant. And I think kick six will always be that way for Auburn people. Nationally, it might not have the recognition that uh, the home run call did in, in 51. But among college football fans, I think it will always be there certainly among Auburn people and Southeastern Conference people. I'm curious, um, you know, as a wordsmith, what did you think of Rod's pregame introductions when you did get to listen to them? Because he, he worked tirelessly over those and was very particular about how to to introduce a game. And sometimes, as I was speaking to Stan White uh, earlier here, um you know, he would work on that all week, and sometimes it wouldn't even really have anything to do with Auburn. It might have something to do with the date and time, and he remembers a time where he, <laughs> I think Auburn was playing West Virginia, and he somehow worked Barney Fife into his introduction, yeah. which sounded silly, but it worked, and it was perfect. Um, what do you think sounded, of his introductions? It may have sounded silly, but it was part of the overall story. Right. The people to whom he was speaking to understood you know, I I've I looked at his introduction for the kick six, and you know sometimes you know as a writer and not necessarily as an announcer, you can you're always told to write the most important thing first. Um, and going into that game, everybody was kept saying that was the mother of all iron bowls. But Rod in his introduction didn't mention that until the the very final line, the very final word. He was setting the scene um, of what this meant in Auburn history, but also 
of past Iron Bowls and and all of that. And then he got to the game, and it kind of, one, built the mystique, but also, hey, by the way, uh, everything I just mentioned, there's never been an Iron Bowl bigger than this with this much yeah. at stake. Um, whereas I as a writer... I might quibble with Rod a little bit there. I think there was a bigger Iron Bowl, and you know where I'm going. 1989, when Alabama came for the first time, I would so love to have heard Rod Bremont's call of that game, the build-up, the intro for that game. Jim Jim Fife was great on that game, but Rod Bremont, being an Auburn guy with a sense of the Auburn people, I would really love to have heard his call. When you in, you know, interacted with Rod on a personal basis, what was he like, and what are your, some of your memories? Well, I think he reminded me of Coach Jordan. Oh, I thought about that over the last several days. Very professional, very matter-of-fact, very, uh, shall I say, driven. But he also had a touch of kindness, the human touch. Uh, he was always sincere. He always had time for everyone, no matter how important they were, no matter how unimportant they were. If they were for Auburn and if they wanted to talk, he would visit with them. And I think Coach Jordan had many of those same qualities. Rod never got caught up in uh, in the celebratory nature of who he was and what he did. He was always Rod and Bremlin. What do you think is his best call? Well, as I say, I didn't get to hear all of those um, all of his calls, I didn't hear most of them for that matter, but hey, I'm an Auburn guy. Kick six has got to be his best call. Was that like, was there any other way to capture the moment? I know I know that sounds, you know, uh, almost cliche to say there's no other way. There, but... might, there, might, there might have been other ways, but nothing could have been better than the way Rod called it. Nothing could have been better. Yes, there were other ways, perhaps, but Rod, Rod, Rod did it justice, and it was one of the great plays in college football history. I really, I really kind of felt, no, I don't say I feel sorry, but I've had a little empathy for my Alabama friends who have had to hear that so much uh, over the last two or three days since Rod's death. But that's, that's, that's the way he'll be remembered, and it's part of history. The Auburn family is, uh, you know, I, you've you said it many times to me and 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 others that, you know, you don't really know what the Auburn family is about until you're actually a part of it and you've experienced it. Explain that to our listeners and how that connects Rod uh, into and interwoven into that fabric, so to speak, uh, in the past and going into the future. Well, some people would say Auburn folks are different, and we are different. Um, Football is very important to us. Our sports program is very important to us. But we don't define ourselves by how many games we win or how many games we lose. There's something deeper, a deeper love and appreciation and respect for Auburn. All that has gone before, all that is, and all that will be. Rod Bramlett understood. Nobody had to tell him. Nobody had to teach him. Nobody had to show him. He was one of us. He understood the heart, mind, and soul of Auburn people. Now, you can 
you can become an Auburn person. As Coach Jordan once said, sometimes people who become Auburn people appreciate it more than those who were born Auburn people. Now, when you have it, that is true in some cases. I think that would be true for Jim and for Gary Sanders and others. But Rod didn't have to be taught. Rod knew it was in his heart, it was in his blood, it was in his soul, and it was forever in his mind, and it forever came out of his mouth. Rod understood. 